Hello and welcome to the PR department podcast. You're through to your host, Katie Braden. Hi, welcome to episode five. So you'll know by the title that today I'm going to be touching on slash talking about that Molly May interview. Um, For those of you who haven't seen it I mean by the time that this episode actually airs and go out goes out it'll be a fair few weeks like a lot of time would have gone by between when she did the interview when she was trending in a negative way when it went viral like it will be a fair fair few weeks um sort of gone by since then um but you will know I'm sure that she did an interview um on a podcast and it was very like a business focused podcast for like CEOs like that kind of vibe like very inspirational motivational business tips kind of thing so in a nutshell what happened is that a clip um of her talking about essentially you know we all have the same 24 hours in a day kind of quote uh was taken out of the podcast and blasted everywhere like she was trending on twitter in the uk and in the us actually for like two three days solid which is quite a long time for you know any one person um it was all over tiktok it was all over instagram like i couldn't actually go on to either of the apps without seeing something relating to her whether it was you know people talking about it or reacting to it giving their opinion on it you know it was everywhere so i always at the time the the thought always crosses my mind of like okay i should like talk about this on social media because as we are here in the pr department you know i have that pr perspective so how i talk about things is always with that pr perspective in mind not necessarily like a pr friendly answer but in terms of how i approach certain matters will always be from a kind of pr brain so I always think when these things happen, you know, I'm going to speak about it. I'm going to say something about it, but I never do ever because I like to always see how these things play out because in the first instance, there's always a lot of emotion in it and you'll have a lot of very, very strong emotive opinions. And then as time goes on, more voices will enter the conversation and you end up having like, a more rounded view of the situation and lots of different opinions to kind of then form your own opinion and your own thoughts and that is kind of what I like to do when there are these huge like blow-up scandals. I mean obviously around the same time we had the Ellie Darby scandal so to kind of go off track for a little bit Ellie Darby is a UK influencer you know she's a mom she does fitness she's like kind of those like you know blonde hair blue eyes like is (laughs) is under gleam features you know that kind of vibe um you know a very sort of I would say very standard UK influencer um but around the same time as this Molly May thing um her previous tweets from like 10 years ago but bear in mind when I sent when I say 10 years ago she wasn't like 12 she was like 15 uh sorry not 15 17 to 18 so she was still like you know a grown person she was an adult when these tweets were were said but you know her and her partner were both found to have like extremely racist views and really awful tweets so I think 
in those kinds of situations like there's there's no real debate you know like they're there they're black and white like those are your views and I think if people choose to not follow you on a platform anymore because your views don't align with their views then obviously you know you're going to lose your platform and you're going to lose followers you're also going to lose brand deals because of course brands are not going to want to be associated with that obviously the the views do not align so I think those situations kind of resolve themselves relatively quickly because they are it's fairly obvious you know what the facts of the matter are um it's not really based on opinion like the the kind of evidence if you will is there in black and white so I feel like that kind of wound itself out very quickly I think where those situations can shift and change is due to the influencer's response so I have seen in the past like influencers being really accountable and kind of having the view of like you know what I obviously need to change and I need to learn and I need to grow and me personally I think everybody should be given the opportunity to change do I think they should still have the opportunities to make thousands of pounds on a platform with those views I don't think so but I I don't believe in cancel culture I think it's extremely toxic and extremely dangerous um it's really really challenging obviously in the PR industry dealing with how rife cancel culture is at the moment um but yeah I think how the influencer kind of reacts to these things um can really define what comes next for them you know like they will have a period of essentially having to you know take a loss of their earnings because brands are not going to work with them but I think there's always an opportunity to rebuild and that comes with taking accountability learning and showing actual change um and whether that change is possible you know if that person genuinely wants to change their views and evolve um then great you know everyone as I say everyone should be given the opportunity to do that um but fundamentally it has to be down to the individual and it's also down to the audience to decide you know are your followers going to stick with you whilst you grow or are they going to be kind of fed up with you and think you know what I don't want anything to do with you and that's their prerogative so it can go one of two ways of course LA Derby came out with um an apology video which was a grand total of like three minutes she put it on youtube don't know why like it could have literally existed on like instagram or tiktok so it was so short um it was very much like the opposite of what you would want like there was no accountability it was all like oh woe is me kind of thing so i think in that instance like as i've just mentioned I think everybody reaches a conclusion a lot faster because it's kind of like you've seen the facts, you've seen the reaction, neither of them hit the spot, both of, both of them are not kind of good enough for you to basically move forward with that person or for that person to deserve the opportunities they, that they have or the platform that they have. Like, do I think that this person deserves to not exist or never make money ever again? No, of course not. But do they deserve to be in a privileged position as these influencers are? You know, they have the ability to make such a large amount of money for you know doing small pieces of work do I think they work hard yes but the level of working hard is different to the average person that is a privileged position and they are in a unique sort of opportunity stance so when they're kind of called out for doing these things and show no remorse I don't think they deserve to have that level of platform and and the ability to make the amount of money that they do doing what they do um 
so yeah that one was concluded quite fast I had my opinion on that pretty quickly because as I say like you kind of saw everything you needed to know so (laughs) in a roundabout way let's come back to the the Molly May situation that happened at the same time so there was a lot of comparison on social media between the two girls and I understand why because they live in the same space um they're both both very similar influencers they both kind of occupy a similar audience they have the same kind of like analytics that kind of vibe um you know they're both UK they're both blondes they both kind of like the same things they both dress in a similar way so their followers would be the same very similar anyway they're also friends um so yeah I can see why they were lumped together in the same boat but I think that the two situations are very very different and here's why um so I'm going to preface this by saying I'm not necessarily going to spend this podcast giving my opinion on the Molly May interview um it basically just leads into something a topic that I wanted to cover and I think it lends itself really well as an introduction so what I'm gonna go on to say is not like here's what I think about it it's more um you know it's a it's conversational like I don't think I fully made up my mind about the situation like do I agree with what she said in a nutshell like no but do I think she's deserved this level of um attack from you know social media and from sort of the leaders of cancel culture like no I also don't think she deserved that so I'm not on one side or another um at this point in time she hasn't actually really spoken out about it like her manager has given um a statement I think it was to the mail um which was very generic and was very like you know obviously Molly doesn't you know she's aware that people have a different privilege level to her and blah 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 like it was a very like basic basic PR answer so I don't think we can get anything from that she hasn't spoken about it so her opinion is not in the public space um but yeah basically so what is being pulled from her interview is essentially a quote that revolves around the quote we all have the 20 same 24 hours in a day as Beyonce okay so Number one, I absolutely hate that quote. I always have. I find it so cringe. And like, I'm sure you'll remember like five years ago when everyone who worked in an office had a mug that said we all have the same 24 hour day. Why can't I say the quote? Like that's how much my body like rejects it. Like I can't even get it out. Um, You know, everyone had those mugs that said it and like everyone had notepads with it on. And it was like this big thing because when we lived in that space, say like the five years ago as an example, that whole girl boss culture was so rife. And of course, like it's still here now. We still have this very like, you know, the whole girl boss in too close to the sun kind of vibe like we still live in a world where this whole girl boss culture is thriving hence how MLMs make their money but that's a different conversation for a different day but I think this type of quote and this kind of mentality is very very linked to that whole like let's girl boss this kind of you know mindset which I think Molly does have um and I think a lot of people do have to be honest like I've only got to go on my TikTok for like 10 seconds to see at least like a few videos of people being like you know if you don't have seven streams of income you're 
a failure or if you're not earning £10,000 a month then you're not doing good enough or you know all this kind of stuff which is that girl boss culture and I'm sure they have a mug that says you have the same 24 hours in a day as Beyonce because that quote kind of like sums up their mindset so obviously you know there's been huge like societal and cultural change around like privilege and classism and all of this kind of stuff. Like I think we, over the last year or so, we have really been um, lucky enough to be educated and our eyes to be open about these matters and they're becoming a lot more of like a a mainstream topic of conversation. Um, you know, like I see it regularly, especially on TikTok. You know, there's a lot of conversation about classism, a lot of conversation about privilege, about, you know, being born into wealth and the differences, the struggles that people face, which I think, you know, this, obviously it's not a new thing. It's been happening for since the dawn of time. But I think this conversation coming to the surface is a relatively new thing. Hence why, this girl boss culture that was so thriving a few years ago is now really, really like shriveling into nothing because these conversations about privilege and classism really kind of takes down the girl boss mindset. Like it just completely crushes it because, you know, you you have to start at a certain place and everybody's starting point is different so we don't all have the same 24 hours in a day because I might be starting 20 meters in front of somebody else for the 24-hour sprint um you know and that's where this all falls apart for her really for Molly because she's used this what I think is a very old school quote but something I will say about this quote I think it was originally coined by um Tony Robbins who is a huge like motivational speaker from the US who has a very like American way of being a motivational speaker so he kind of also has this girl boss mindset which is quite bizarre considering he's not a girl boss um but you know anybody can be a girl boss I guess if you really want to um I find his messaging very full-on very overwhelming and I find it extremely cringe to be honest because it is it it just is so aligned with like that girl boss mindset and I don't really I I I don't really get on with that mindset at all like I never have I've always found it a bit yeah cringe really so anyway I think Tony Robbins coined this term even if he didn't judging by what I've just said like this is not a Molly May original this is a very well-known quote lots of people have used it lots of people continue to use it because it is it's really like centered around that kind of like boss bitch girl boss motivational speaker small business entrepreneurial mindset it lives in that world it has lived in that world for years so I the thing where I feel it's unfair is that and it's what the the um the actual host of the podcast he put out a tweet um basically saying the same thing that I'm going to say now which is like so many of Molly's male counterparts have gone on to a, the podcast and said the same quote if not basically the same thing and nobody has had an issue with it um because they kind of take it for what it is which is this kind of like weird girl bossy motivational speaker kind of vibe quote right but when she says it like 
it's not just a little bit of hate that she's gotten for this like the internet did a full-on like millions of people pile on kind of vibe which I think for what she said do I think that she should probably get herself out of that mindset and I think that she has a little bit to learn about privilege and classism absolutely but I think for what she actually said you know so many people in that space have said the same thing specifically male counterparts and they've never ever been called out for it and everyone just thinks it's fine so that part I do think is extremely unfair but do I think she needs to be educated? Yes. Do we have to hold people accountable? Yes. But do we have to pile on and roast them in the millions and change her Wikipedia bio to Molly Mae Thatcher? Like, no, I don't think we do. I think there's a balance. Um, and I think these things kind of turn into a bit of a runaway train. Like, people get really emotional and really worked up and they just go on and on and on and then obviously the wider audience it hits the more people you have talking about it and the memes and the comments and the opinions just get more and more and more extreme um like I saw a comment on this video of this girl who was talking about the situation in quite a negative way which obviously is her prerogative it's her opinion um and the comment the top comment was all of these Molly Mae slander videos are beautiful And that's when I kind of really stopped and thought, wow, like, where must you be in your life to actually, number one, think in your brain, like this, this person being ripped to shreds in the public is, quote, beautiful. And number two, feel it so strongly that you would write it in a comment on a public platform, like with your name next to it. Like, where are you in your life and in your mind that that is what is giving you, like, that's what's making you thrive? Like, seeing someone basically being ripped down. Um, And I think that's the real issue that we have as a society at the moment. Like, social media is basically, like, it just sometimes can thrive off negativity. And when all of that negativity is piled onto one singular person... I can't help but think like she's one person from what I can see from the outside she has a very small team like from what I from what I know she has a manager who's one person and then like a few people who work who work with her management and like an assistant like she's not protected by like an agency like Gleam or like she doesn't have a huge team rallied around her like she would have been taking the hit head on like her manager would have been taking the hit head on and you know should she have said that no I don't think so should she be working with a PR or have some kind of media training to help her navigate these situations better so that these things don't happen yes because I do think to be honest that what she said in her mind came from a positive place like she was just trying to be like this motivational inspirational like businesswoman but how it came out like reeked of classism and privilege but I think had she been given the the tools to communicate that properly I don't think she would have said it and I don't really think that she actually means it like of course she means it because she said it but I think she 
she would probably agree in the fact that she could have communicated what she wanted to say a whole lot better which actually leads me on to my next point but just quickly to sum up that one you know when one person one manager is taking that head on I can't help but think like what does that do to a person especially like considering the last six months she's just had you know she had her house burgled her boyfriend went through a really public um issue with like the boxing fight and all that kind of thing like she's had a lot of surgeries she's had a lot of health issues and I just think like how much can one person actually take you know, like, I know how it feels getting hate on social media because I've had my fair share of, like, nasty DMs, comments, etc. I've dealt with it with my clients, you know, like, very public trolling. I deal with it a lot. And I know how that makes me feel. And I've never had millions of people pile onto me for 48 hours and been trending on Twitter. So, I don't know. Like, either her brain is wired differently and she can just, like, wash it off which I don't think she can no matter how many times she says it but it's got to affect you like it has to and I think those people who are commenting things like all this slander is beautiful at what point did you lose your empathy and you can't see it as this one person taking all of this hate like you can hold somebody accountable without literally like flooding their life with hate um yeah like do I think she's right no but do I think the pylon is right no do I have a solid opinion on it not really I'm just kind of sharing my thoughts um and yeah I think social media sometimes loses touch with the fact that these are actual people we're dealing with and you can hold someone accountable without kind of like you know tearing them apart but anyway that leads me really, really nicely onto what this podcast is actually about. <laughs> a sweet 21 minutes in. Wow. As I said so many times, I can't make a point fast. And that's just why we're here on the podcast, because I can go around the houses to get to where I need to be. <laughs> so the question that I ask in terms of this situation is, when do influencers need PR? And I mentioned it in one of my previous episodes, but through TikTok with the content that I kind of create, um, I have a lot of influencers asking me to manage them or if I will take them on as a client and do their PR. And I have very strong beliefs about who needs PR, when it's right to get PR and what PR is for. So not everybody, this isn't like an industry standard, this is like my opinion on it everybody will think something different so I'm sure if you talk to another PR they will disagree and that is absolutely fine but this is just how I differentiate so I think there is a huge difference between doing PR for a person and doing PR for a brand and I think that PR is for brands okay that is like point blank what I think PR is for brands but in saying that, when a person, an individual, an influencer reaches a stage in their career where they become a brand, for example, Molly May is now at the point where she is a brand, you know, she's a, a singular person, but herself, her likeness, her name is also a brand. When they then reach that stage, then I think they need PR. So once they've crossed over from that, I'm just an influencer to I am now so big that I am, my name is a brand. 
then they need PR. So that fits into my philosophy of PR is for brands. Um, Obviously, the point that she's at now, she's huge. Like she's absolutely huge. We're talking like millions of followers, you know, brand deals in the millions, like creative director roles, like she's massive. So influencers always are like, okay, well, if I'm not ready for PR, how am I supposed to get to that level? Because I think what they want from me is to help me get them to that level, obviously, where they are getting these brand deals, making this amount of money, you know, and they are classed as a brand. But I, again, personal opinion, I think that is a manager or an agent's job. So I think if you're looking for somebody to, you know, book you collaborations, to get you work, to be developing and shaping your career, that is a manager or that is an agent. That is not the role of PR. PR is to manage public relations. So if you are a person, do you have enough stuff going on in the press to warrant having a full-time PR person? Like, have you got something that I can be talking about that is like nationwide press worthy every single week because if you don't then you don't need a PR because otherwise you're going to be paying a PR a monthly retainer and they're just going to be sitting idle waiting for something to happen like I personally don't think there's enough going on at sort of a small to mid influencer level where you require access to press and access to kind of like mass audience um I think with products and with brands, they do have something where they can be featured weekly because they have ranges of products, they have campaigns, they have stories. They are very multi-dimensional. So it's not just like one person trying to have a new press story every single week. Also, you can pitch a press story every single week, but it doesn't mean it's newsworthy. So unless you have something that's genuinely newsworthy every single week, you don't need a PR. Like you just don't have enough stuff going on there's always an option of doing it on a project basis. Like if you were, for example, if I'm an influencer and I'm doing a collaboration with a makeup company and we're doing an eyeshadow palette together, obviously that is PRable. You're also working with a brand, you're working with a product. So that adds a lot more depth and makes it a lot more newsworthy. But you could kind of bring a PR on to work on that project. And then once that project is rolled out over a period of a few months, then the project comes to an end. You know, it's not like an ongoing deal. Um, you know, usually when influencers contact me, they will come to me with a fee for the year. Um, so most of the time PRs will work on like an annual fee and then that will be split up into monthly payments, obviously to make it more affordable, which then becomes your monthly retainer. So an influencer will come to me and be like, I've got £20,000 to spend on PR for the year. That will be split up over months. Um, you know, so you're, if you're taking a yearly fee, you have to have something to work on over the course of the whole year. You get what I'm saying with this. If there's not enough stuff going on, which unless you get to, you know, like a Molly May style level, there's just not. You're going to have you're going to be paying a PR, a monthly retainer, and they're just going to be honestly just idle, which is a waste of money and a waste of time and it will usually put strain on the relationship because the influencer will be like well why is there nothing happening and the PR will be like well I've got nothing to work on and then that's when it all falls apart so that's why I usually say no at that level um you know if you're taking different brand collaborations you know every few months and there's like lots of stories going on you've got your own product line etc etc then yeah 
PR perfect fine there's something going on all the time that we can be working on um but unless that's the case and you're not at that level then management is a hundred percent what you need to be looking at because they can actually be working with you to develop yourself to then get to that level where you would need a PR so one thing that I absolutely cannot get my head around is why Molly Mae doesn't have a PR or why she doesn't work with PR I feel like her manager her manager is absolutely fantastic like I've I've listened to you know videos and things with her manager talking and she's great but you know she's not a PR she is a manager so when they have things like this happen which will happen when you're at that on that level quite often you know I don't know I honestly don't know how they deal with it because like no one in that team again I'm assuming here because I'm not in the team but no one from the outside can I see has like that PR or like crisis management experience so I would think that she would need you know PR for that sense like maybe she's working with someone on an outsourced basis I don't know but I think she would definitely definitely kind of um, value PR help for sure especially in situations like this you know, someone at her level, they can afford to be paying that monthly retainer for a PR. So I don't know why they wouldn't do it again. Maybe they are, I'm not sure. But that's another thing that is different and is, you know, sort of signifies when an influencer is ready for PR or not. And that is sort of the difference in cost. So as I mentioned earlier, like usually PRs will, you'll have like an annual fee split over 12 months and you'll be paying that monthly retainer. For a manager, most of the time it'll be on a percentage basis so if they get you a ton of work and they are taking 20% of all of that work then that is how they're being paid like you're not having to cough up you know a fee every month even if nothing is happening like they are results based and they take a percentage of the results achieved so it's more um it's it's usually a smaller cost um unless obviously they book you a ton of things and then end up taking 20 percent of it all um but it, yeah it's usually a more manageable cost because they're bringing you the work so you can then afford that 20 percent with a pr retainer like you'd have to pay that come rain or shine whether there's pr coverage that month or not you'd have to pay it um so it usually works out that pr is quite an expensive expense and a lot of influencers you know if they don't if they can't make the most out of that service like they're not going to part with that money like same with any business it would just be silly so again that is why I think influencers should certainly work with management until they are at a level where they can bring in a PR I mean I even know influencers who have started their own brands so they would be sort of eligible to be working with a PR and they still don't because they still don't want to spend the monthly expenses and because they've got their own platform and their own audience they just don't feel the need so they just kind of PR themselves um so yeah I think it does take a lot to get to a point where as an individual you can bring on a PR and you're at the place where you want to bring in PR Molly May certainly is at that point and if I was her I would certainly be thinking of bringing in a larger team to manage that for her Um, I think it's needed I think you know the whole media training side of things and you know the public conception she could really really value from that 
So yeah, I hope that that was an interesting topic of conversation for this episode. I've kind of touched on multiple different things, but I really wanted to discuss this difference between PR and management and when influencers, you know, need PR and if they should get PR because it's questions that I get constantly. So hopefully that's helpful. Um, And yeah, I sort of saw this situation with Molly May play out and I just saw the two topics fall together um, really, really easily because the first thing I thought was, Jesus, that girl needs a PR, like she needs help. Um, Not that that's going to make her into a better person or educate her on her views, but I think in terms of managing herself as a brand, which she now is, you know, could be slightly helpful. So yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Um, I shared a lot of opinions. Um, I just want to reiterate again, like I don't agree with what she said. Um, but, you know, obviously I've shared my thoughts around that. So we've we've talked, I've talked about it for half an hour. So if you don't know what I think by now, <laughs> you're never going to know. <laughs> so yeah I hope you've enjoyed that um join the conversation in between episodes over on Instagram at the PR department podcast um I look forward to chatting with you there and I will see you next time bye